Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, and Jackie will be joining us later in the episode, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how the automated market maker could impact the fundamentals of XRP. But what could this mean for the future price of one of our favorite assets? As JP Morgan and Bank of America will be leveraging crypto technology in the future, we break down the road to crypto adoption in the USA. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, it is just me and you, my friend, but don't worry. We brought the content. We're bringing the energy as well. So first of all, how are you feeling, bro? And thanks for being here. Oh, abs. We are live. Yes, we are. Every single day at 11 a.m. Great to see you and all the Warrior Maniacs out there who joined every single day. I'm so excited. Hopefully, Joyful Jackie will be able to join us as well. It's been a long time. So it'll be great. But I'm happy. We got so much news. I can't wait to hop into it, buddy. Me too, man. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of the daily movers this morning, my goodness, it is a sea of red across the board. And we've got Dogecoin barely swimming up 6% on the day. The rest of the market down about 5%. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are looking at $1.36 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 51% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. Bitcoin is barely above $36,000 at $36,098. Ethereum is $19.29. We've got XRP sitting at $0.60 cents flat this morning. And after listening to Waters Above, this is a very key level. We'll break that down later in the episode. We've got Solana at $55, and we've got Cardano sitting at $36 this morning. And Johnny Crypto, we already got 185 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Let's start this episode off. We got a bunch of great videos prepared, and this one got me really excited. First of all, it's from our friend Flip the Chain on Twitter. I showed you guys him last week. He had 2,000 followers. Now he's at 5,000 followers. You really should follow this guy. He puts out fantastic content. This is a video of David Schwartz discussing how there will be a moment 
when companies like Bank of America and JP Morgan front run the crypto industry and how this time it could be ultimately different when everything changes. And we're going to break this down, Johnny Crypto. I just want to remind everybody, show us some love, smash that like button on this Conspiracy Friday. And with that being said, here's David Schwartz. Like people are still not using cryptocurrencies for payments. Like, let's be honest, like that's where the product market fit is really good. And they're not, uh, there's a lot of volatility, which I think is, is, and I think we do think that like that's going to start to go away. Like the logic of economics says it has to, like you can't really have a highly volatile asset just because this uh, volatility is a profit opportunity. And so somebody should be turning that volatility into revenue. We have massive pools of liquidity now, like, you know, the trade volumes are enormous. So I think I think we are set up for the next couple of years. I think one one sign is like giants like Bank of America, you know, JP Morgan are starting to you have to be careful with them because they want to seem like they're on the forefront of technology, but also they're very successful companies. So like if they could push stop on technology, they would. You know, like if you you know, if you have one of the top five banks in the world, you don't want anything to change. You want the world to stay exactly the way it is. And most of your hyping of technology is going to be defensive. But if you look like their 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 customers are really recognizing the potential of these technologies, and they're realizing that they are going to have to adopt them if they want to remain relevant. You know, you heard it there, Johnny. Floor is yours, my friend. David Schwartz says banks like companies like Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, not only are they going to front run these technologies, they have to adopt them in order to remain in this industry. Well, and then you also heard what he said. They have to adopt them so that it becomes mainstream, and that's where the problem. Is. You heard it clearly. He was trying to tell you without telling you. They, he said, you have to be careful with those companies because they're already at the top. And so when you're at the top, you know, and things are great and you're making a lot of money, you know, you don't want to change anything. Changes is a pain. Changes timely. Changes causes problems. Change is expensive. Um, and so they don't want they don't want to change it. And so, you know, he said something interesting there. He says, you know, nobody's using cryptocurrency for payments yet. But yeah, it, it's it's great for doing that. But nobody's using it. Well, you know what? That's because new technologies always take a long time to change because humans in general don't want to change. I remember when credit cards came out, you weren't even born, like in the 80s, okay? And everybody at the time was using cash. And so when, when you gave someone this plastic card, you said, here, go use this to spend money. They're like, what are you talking about? It took forever. It took, it took many years. Like, look at you guys today. You don't even know what a dollar bill looks like because you probably have a credit card. You probably have all these credit cards. And, you, you know, you probably, you're probably full of credit cards, right? So you're- I'm a little different. I'm from a small business, so- oh, okay, okay. But cash, most right? people, most people use plastic, right? Nobody, mo nobody's got cash in their wallet. I mean, I'm probably one of the few people that I don't even carry anymore, so don't even come chase out. But the point is, most people don't have cash in their wallet anymore. But when, when credit cards first came out, you can almost kind of use the same analogy here. It was a new technology, and people are like, "What? You you, you don't want me to use the paper no more? I'm gonna use this plastic thing." And then I just then I and I give this thing, and it works. And then how do I do this? And it took for it took year. I don't think my parents got a credit card till like 15 years later, before when I started using them. Okay, so the same kind of concept or thing is going to happen here with with cryptocurrency. In fact, it's so much more complex. A credit card was easy, Abs. You put it in their hand. You physically had something, and you just swiped it. Or you, or actually, at the time, they would take this paper and they put a paper and they'd swipe it, and a little piece of paper would come out. Right, that was your receipt. This thing, cryptocurrency, so much more complex because people don't even know. You try to get an old timer, a boomer, to figure out how to put something, an app on their phone, and be able to transfer money. It's it's more complex. So it's going to take some time before the world is using this stuff. 
because the world isn't made up of just young kids who already get it. It's made up of a good chunk of people that don't get it, and it's just going to take a long time. It's going to take some time for that adoption to happen, in my opinion. You know what's interesting is that when I first met JV and I first started following his content, what caught my attention about his videos on TikTok was he was talking about the greatest shift in generational wealth. And Johnny, you brought up something important, which is we have to play this very weird game where old people have to get old and young people have to get older. And what that means is that the older generation is going to pass on. That means that us, the 25-year-olds at some point will be 40. And if I'm using crypto, 85% of my 25-year-old friends use crypto. When we're 40, those numbers are going to be even higher. Imagine if 85% of American adults were using cryptocurrency. That's what we're showing in this chart right here. We're well on pace to reach these numbers before I'm 40 or before anybody in the live chat, before a decade from now, guys. Look at the correlation between Bitcoin, and I know we're talking Bitcoin, but apply this to all of crypto, and the adoption of the internet. Now, currently, we are at about 88% adoption for the internet. Or, sorry, that would be about 65% adoption for the internet worldwide. We only have 10%, and we really don't have 10%, Johnny, 10% of global people in the cryptocurrency market. It's very interesting when you watch the trend of these assets, because on a long-term time frame, it's very clear. Young people, they're excited about this technology. Older people are stopping using cash. They don't want to use credit. I'd rather use Bitcoin or a digital asset. So we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but close it out. I'm going to pull up a video of Linda P. Jones talking about how XRP plays a role in this entire picture. Yeah, I mean, just to close that out, I mean, certainly that that, that that's pretty much how, how technology works. The younger folks, the younger generation who are, you know, maybe taught it in school or growing up with looking for change, they, they are always usually the first to adopt these these newer things abs and then the, the the older generation will follow later because the younger generation teaches them or handholds them to get them to it and just for the record motorbike no i am not a boober i am jet x get it right jet x baby one of the coolest coolest x generations out there and love stocks yes in fact that is the theme song of my videos if you go to my youtube channel that's how i started out with here's johnny so that is awesome Abs. johnny i think this is a great example of how the generations have a fundamental difference in the way they view these technologies when we talk about presidential candidates this is the only one that's under the age of 55 i believe except for uh ron DeSantis out of florida but look at what his plans are for regulating the crypto market going forward vivek ramaswamy is promising to fire gary gensler and most of the sec regulate most crypto tokens as commodities protect developers and code under the First Amendment, provide clear regulations for digital assets, peg the U.S. dollar to a basket of commodities, including Bitcoin eventually. And I think he got pinned in the corner. When I listened to the live interview, I'm not sure he actually believes that. And encouraging crypto businesses to remain in the United States. This is what I'm talking about, not because I think people should vote for Vivek or because I think he's going to get into office and implement these things. Johnny, I think it's because these conversations are going to enter the presidential debate. These conversations are going to become very important for whoever's trying to become elected. And so when I look at Vivek and what he's trying to do with the market here, I think it's very, very clear. We are trending in the direction of crypto adoption. And the last bullet point, encouraging crypto businesses to remain in the US, that's what's most important. Yeah. And are you going to play that clip of him that we did? Because I think that was awesome where he was talking about, um, uh, you know, he definitely gets it. When it comes to crypto, he totally gets what's happening there and, and where the world should be and how we should regulate it and do things right. He is definitely, I think you said, one of two of the younger guys who are running for for president. I, I mean, I don't know how much of a chance he has to win, to be honest with you, but I like some of his ideas. His ideas are really you know, progressive in terms of moving crypto forward. And so for that perspective, man, if you get a guy like him, 
at the top, you want to talk about a change in the administration policy, you would see a very, very pro crypto, uh, um, what do you call it, solution there. And I know a lot of people don't trust him. And, you know, he's a Trojan horse. And I hear all this thing about him. Who, who knows? At the end of the day, you know, at this point in time, I think what's important is the ideas, the words that are coming out that people are hearing. And he's really saying things that I think are very pro pro crypto. And the reason and I bring it up, Johnny, is because if these types of conversations are entering the chat now, as you would say, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some crypto or blockchain questions that uh, are asked on the presidential stage. And so when we start to have those hard, difficult questions be asked, it gets the everyday person thinking about these things. If Vivek starts talking about crypto and Bitcoin on the stage, he's going to get more voters. There's going to be 5% of crypto maximalists or real Bitcoin advocates that say, yeah, I wasn't politically aligned with anyone, but look at this guy. At least he's going to help me make some money with Bitcoin. And that's unfortunately how people vote, guys. So that's- Oh, yeah. You're you're 100% right. People care about their pocket. There's no, no doubt. No doubt about it at all that the one, when people vote, I remember all the time, I used to be involved in politics a while ago, and people used to say, People, uh, I used to hear all the time, they always talk about people vote with their wallet, okay? That's just how the world works most of the time. I'm not saying everybody, but a good chunk do do that. And so from that perspective, but the thing I kind of disagree with you is I don't think crypto is big enough or mainstream yet to make it to the stage on the debate stage. Maybe I'm wrong. I Don't get me wrong. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. If somebody asked that question, but I don't know if crypto's big enough. Maybe with the Bitcoin ETF and BlackRock, if that all happens, well, I mean, when that happens, if that's timed right around when the debates are happening, maybe we will get that question asked. I hope so. I hope for all of our sakes in crypto that that comes up, Abs. But I don't. I don't know if it's a big enough world issue that it's going to make the main stage for a debate. But we'll have to wait and see. Here's 15 seconds of Vivek stating what's most important to him if he got into office about regulating crypto. Here we go. This new uh, crypto framework is out. I got to ask you, if you become president of the United States, what changes from a crypto perspective? I think what changes is that regulation by enforcement ends. What does that mean? That the rules are delineated clearly in advance rather than you having to wait for an enforcement action for the SEC to figure out whether or not a given coin was a security or not that guarantees. Do you hear what he's saying? He is addressing the Ripple lawsuit right here, guys. I don't. He doesn't name drop them. That is exactly what happened to Ripple. Johnny, floor is yours. I'm going to give my two cents. I mean, that's literally music to my ears. It should be to anybody who's in crypto. He literally said exactly what every, you know, person who wants who who, who understands this space should be saying, is that crypto by you know by enforcement ends with the SEC. And we go to Congress and we have them make real rules, real laws around this new technology so we can make it flourish, get it out there so it can be you know, invested in, it can be developed. And and that's really going to bring it to a whole new level. Abs. Uh, and he, he gets it. He understands what it takes and what what's needed to do. The question is, you know. Can you get, you know, first he's got to win, then he's got to get Congress on the pop. You know, it, it would take. But that's not what's important. And that's what I'm kept trying to highlight. So it doesn't get political. If we were sitting here saying, guys, vote for Vivek so we can implement these policies, that would be idiotic. We don't even understand him. I haven't done my research on this guy. What I'm excited about is that this is somebody who has a legitimate shot at being a part of the most important debates over the next 12 months. And not only is he pro crypto, he's anti the SEC's regulation of crypto. And on top of all of that, guys, he addressed what happened with Ripple. He said, you shouldn't have to wait for an enforcement action to figure out if your token is yeah. an unregistered security. So right. 
it's not about the implementation of the policies. It's about the conversations being had. It, well, it is and it isn't. I mean, the conversations are great to have, but they don't help you if nothing happens. <laughs> They're kind of pointless. Process. Just because process. you... It, it, yes, that's what I'm saying. That's right. It's a process. It's going to be many years before we get there. But what he's saying, and you know, when you had that up there, what was cool is they had the screenshot behind his head of his bullets and his bullets. He was talking about, yeah, those. Look at that. Number one, developers cannot be prosecuted for code. That's huge. Why? Because we always talk about innovation and development and moving it forward. Well, why would companies in the U.S. want to start something? If they think they could be, why would you want to start a company in the U.S. to build code if you think you can get prosecuted? You this know? is most important, Johnny. Look at the second bullet point. Prohibits any federal agency, a.k.a. Senator Elizabeth Warren out of Massachusetts, from creating rules that limit or impair self-hosted wallets, a.k.a. self-custody. That's why I'm excited about this. Not because yes. people should vote for Vivek, but if somebody starts being pro-self-custody on a political stage, that's amazing. That would be new. Yeah, listen, the ideas are great. I agree with all these, and I, and I hope that he starts talking about those and the other guys start saying the same thing, and you start to get that conversation happening in Congress because that's what needs to be happening. And, you know, we know that there's a, a pro-crypto faction and an anti-crypto faction right now in Congress trying to, and the pro-crypto is trying to get something like that passed. But we have an anti-crypto faction that's pushing against it, so we're going to have to see where we end up landing with that. Absolutely, Johnny. And this is the, let me remind people, XRP is the only token in the United States with regulatory clarity. And I think that's why Vivek is even addressing it in the first place. This is Brad Garlinghouse discussing where XRP is and the decentralization aspect of this particular token. I, I think in the context of, you know, is XRP centralized or decentralized? It is very clearly decentralized. You know, I, as CEO of the company, can't control the XRP ledger. I can't change a transaction the irony of this is as XRP, the XRP ledger has become more decentralized, Bitcoin and Ethereum have become more centralized. You've, you, obviously, lots of people are aware of the 51% attacks. You now have three miners in China that can control the Bitcoin blockchain. So when I hear people kind of you know, making the points, you know, is the XRP ledger centralized? I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are fighting holy wars. And they're spreading misinformation. You know, I would love to... Uh... You should you should flag and save that video. The next time we have Yus go on, let's bring that video up because you know Brad talks about how XRP, you know, as a CEO, he can't control it. Uh, the ripple of the company can't control it. But yet, when when we've had Yus go on, the reason why he didn't invest in it initially and even still to this day is because his company felt when they when they did an analysis of their company that um, they were highly centralized. And I would love to now, we're based on where we are today, have that conversation with Mark to see. If he, based on what Brad is saying and based on what has changed today, if he still feels that they are highly centralized as opposed to, as you heard Brad just say, literally three miners in China control, well, I think, almost half the supply of Bitcoin. And that that's, you know, you can make the argument that that's very centralized. But I would love to take, hear Mark's take on what, what he actually thinks here in terms of um, on, on, on whether they're still highly centralized. I, I don't I don't believe Ripple is, but. You know, some people still say it all the time. You hear it all the time. Oh, they have 51. What is it? 40% alone of the uh, of the escrow alone. So you hear it all the time. Um, but I'd love to hear it. Yeah, it'd be great. You're on mute, brother. 
Thank you so much, Johnny. Sorry about that. We're about to discuss how United States crypto regulation is going to come into effect over the next 12 months. We're starting with JP Morgan and BlackRock because David Schwartz addressed a very important video at the beginning of the show. When they're ready to profit off this technology, they will adopt these assets. And what JP Morgan is stating in this article, I think is a classic, tell the public one thing, do another behind the scenes. JP Morgan states U.S. crypto regulation is unlikely to ease despite the legal defeats against the SEC. JP Morgan analysts explained in a note last week that cryptocurrency regulations in the U.S. are unlikely to ease even after the SEC lost several legal battles against crypto firms. The JP Morgan analysts cautioned that a spot ETF approval does not signal complete regulatory shift in the crypto industry. Now, when addressing the Ripple cases that or the uh, SEC cases that they lost, he stated, while this year's Ripple versus SEC and Grayscale versus SEC court rulings represented legal defeats for the SEC, it is far from clear that the regulatory tightening of the crypto industry will lessen significantly going forward, given how this unregulated industry is. We do not believe that U.S. lawmakers would shift their stance because of the above two legal cases, meaning they don't think that because the rulings in Grayscale and Ripple, we're going to see the SEC become pro-crypto or at least not anti-crypto. They even emphasize the FTX fraud that happened last year. They also address that emphasizing that crypto regulations in the U.S., are still pending here, Johnny Crypto. And JP Morgan analysts remain unconvinced that these ETFs will even infuse new capital into the crypto sector, telling people that they're not certain that a Bitcoin spot ETF would increase the price. Tell me this is not an example of say one thing and do another floor is yours, Johnny Crypto. Well, actually, you know, yeah, so I actually kind of agree with some of that. I ain't going to lie. The part here where he talks about that the SEC isn't going to change their approach going after crypto companies because of the losses. I, I think we've already seen evidence that they're going to keep their foot on the gas for a while. So I actually don't, I don't disagree with that part of it. I actually think that that is going to happen in, 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 I don't know where you stand, but I know you and I have talked and we, until we see some change at the top or, and, and it doesn't mean the administration has changed the top, but the sentiment towards crypto changed at the top, either that or the, or the top changes, you know, if they lose the election. One of those two things has to happen, and then you'll see a change in the SEC. But until then, I agree with this part of it. What I don't agree with down below is where he talks about that he doesn't think it would do anything at all for the price of BTC. That is something that, uh, you know, uh, that's I'm really surprised that he said that because that would lead me to believe that he thinks there'll be nobody going into 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 BTC and and frankly, if BlackRock gets that ETF approved or when, I would imagine they're going to be on the phone with all their clients. They're going to be pushing out. The world is going to see it, and that that's going to be a signal to the world, like, hey, you can now push your clients into this space. And I think that's going to drive the price of it up. So I would love to get that guy on here to be like, what do you mean it won't? Why why does he not think it it'll go in there? I would very very curious. To know that because well, what I find curious, Johnny, is that you're taking this man at his word. What I read in this article, and let me elaborate here because it's going to take a minute, is the fact that everything he says is pointing in a specific direction. What is he telling people? He's telling people that the ripple win, the grayscale win, they're irrelevant, right? I'm going to summarize his bullet points here. He's telling you that the ripple win versus the SEC and the grayscale win versus the SEC is not going to affect how crypto is regulated in this market. I disagree. In the short term, sure. In the long term, absolutely not. His second point is that he doesn't see uh, regulation coming 
in the next few months. That I ultimately disagree with as well because we have a bill coming from Senator Loomis, which although it's very pro-Bitcoin, I think it highlights how congressmen and women are going to have to start addressing these technologies. His third point about Bitcoin ETFs not infusing new capital into these markets, I agree with you. I don't understand where how he came to that conclusion because it's very easy. It makes Bitcoin extremely accessible for new institutions and new clients wanting access. So I think he's what he's doing is he's just saying negative things about crypto. I don't think he's actually providing anything valuable here. He said, ETF doesn't matter. The regulation doesn't matter. Ripple's win doesn't matter. Well, what he said was, yeah, yeah. Well, I think he said regulation. Not that it doesn't matter. He's just saying it's not going to come soon. And I agree with him. I, I, I don't think we're getting regulation in the next two or three months approved by our Congress. No freaking way. There is still too much binter, you know, batter back and forth between the pro and anti-crypto fashions in Congress that I, I don't don't think we're going to see nothing in the next few months. So I agree with them there. Um, I agree with them with the SEC. I don't I don't think the SEC is going to change their tune short term, but I disagree with them with with that. So you could say he's fudding it. You could if you want. Um, but I actually happen to agree with some of his points because I I. I well, I do. I just think he's right. I don't think we're going to get And it. if you look up Johnny's donors, you'd know he's paid by J.P. Morgan. And oh, that's- my God. Don't, <laughs> even, don't even put fake crap news out that's there. Fake. Like that, that, that is absolutely I'm kidding. Like I'm kidding. People believe it. Yeah. No, Listen, they, they can't believe it if I say it's fake news. Right I know. Now. No, they will, though. You already said it. Now it's, it's, uh, it's permanent. Like, Guys, nobody, you understand something. People stop the audio right after you say that. I had to mute him, guys. Clip it, post it on Twitter, and absolutely take the part where I say I'm kidding out. And I'm only kidding, guys. We got 383 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto is not paid by anybody. I know I know what I'm saying here, guys. The IMF says central bank digital currencies can replace cash, Johnny. This is not the time to turn back, says the IMF's director, Christine Georgievina, if that's how you pronounce it. She said that the public sector should keep preparing for the deployment of central bank digital currencies and related payment platforms in the future. We have not yet reached the land. There is so much more space for innovation and so much uncertainty over the use cases. As of June 2023, only 11 countries have adopted central bank digital currencies, according to the Atlantic Council. But new data from the IMF suggests that there's 130 countries working with this technology worldwide. And we know at least 30 of those central banks are currently working with Ripple. This isn't an article I want to spend too much time on, Johnny, because we got so much great news prepared. But the IMF saying that digital currencies can replace cash, that caught my attention. I mean, why? Here, I, I, you want me to summarize that article for you in, 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 in a small sentence? <laughs> here it is. Here it is That's what this article, that article says right there. We've we have a lot of audio people. listeners, my friend. What's it say? Oh, yeah, you're right. Good point. So this says CBDC. I said the narrative we would hear over the next two years would be, that crypto is bad and CBDCs are good. And I mean, there you go. She's literally saying it. CBDCs can replace cash. This is not a time to turn back. I mean, there you go. It's right there. This was exactly the narrative that I knew we would be getting hammered with over and over and over. And you're going to continue to hear this for the next three to five years until everybody's using a CBDC or, you know, as many people as they can get to use them, use them. That's just going to, that's just, that's where we're headed. We know this. <coughs> we know this is coming, Abs, but, you know, yeah. So at the end of the day, I'm not surprised that this is the narrative coming out. Be prepared to hear a lot more of this over the next several years, Abs. And do you believe that this is a reality? Um, uh, That central banks can replace cash, a digital currency? The question is pretty straightforward, but I think she's, she's like uh, 
she's putting something behind it. Basically. She's saying this is not the time to turn back. I like that quote a lot because I think what's show what's happening here. We're seeing the death of fiat. Anybody who's been watching the oil market recently knows that the U S dollar relative to oil has been collapsing. And I think we're only going to see more of that going forward. <clears throat> we're going to see Johnny COVID a derailment from cash and into real baskets of assets. And I think that's what Vec. I want to take a moment to pause, guys. We're getting a little off course and distracted here. Let's center our attention on something much more important. As we got an update from Linda P. Jones, as well as our friend Ray from the Link2 agency, Johnny Crypto. And what they're talking about in this video is how big of an opportunity not only the Ripple IPO is, but IPO products, I mean, XRP products, American markets is going to change how people interact with this asset. And that's what I'm so excited about. We talk about a transfer of value. We talk about on-demand liquidity. That's just one use case for this fundamental technology. Here we go. Yeah, well, Ripple, of course, you would want to look at who is going to be a market leader in the future. Anytime I look at investing in stocks, I want to know who's going to have the number one or number two company in the space. So when the technology for XRP was created, According to David Schwartz, they looked around and they said, this is phenomenal technology. What is the biggest thing, the biggest use case, the biggest utility that this technology could possibly have out of everything? And they said cross-border payments. And that's what they went after. They also, as you know, are helping governments form central bank digital currencies. When you're investing money at the government level, it doesn't get any bigger than that. It's trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And that is the most exciting investment opportunity and largest investment opportunity that you can usually think of, too, is at the government level. Matthew Lamorell says we are moving from having digitized communications back in the 90s to digitizing commerce and currency. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're digitizing commerce and currency right now. And that is a bigger opportunity. That is a bigger opportunity than the internet was. And that's what people don't really realize is that the amount of wealth that this is going to create is going to blow people's minds. Now, I think at the end of the day, what Linda's talking about here is the <clears throat> transition. And we kind of already have digital money to some degree. But when you talk about how digital money works today, Versus the way digital money is going to work when when all this uh, technology is implemented, blockchain technology, it's a very very different way it's processed on the back end, and that's really you know that'll then lead to different type of front end apps and things that I think we'll end up using as well. Just the way things will work, uh, communicate with each other, everything on the blockchain, everything immutable, moving as Yusko says from the trust system to the truth system is where we're headed, Abs. And so yeah, I can't disagree with it. I think there's a ton of money there. XRP has a ripple has created a solution in their in their uh, payment system, leveraging their, o, uh, their their ODL and the XRP coin to be able to solve that problem. Now, the question is, here's the question. Yusko always says the question is more important than the answer. The question is, who's going to adopt and use that system? Are companies finding value in the technology that Ripple invented to say, yes, this is something I want to use. This solves a problem for me. For my cross-border stuff um and so that's really the jury that that that's out there right now that we're waiting to see as you're drawing lines over here to show a a you know a descending triangle here or an ascending one but um i'm certainly seeing yeah you're on you're on you're on mute we can't hear you i said sorry i said i am listening i promise 
I believe, Continue. I believe, I believe you are. Yeah, I know you can walk in true gum or, or in this case, draw. And walk <laughs> I would hope. Time. I would hope so. Right? <laughs> but, continue uh, because I think she makes a great point about the opportunity that's being presented to us right now. She drew a correlation between the money, the amount of money that entered the internet market and how that was just a fraction of the opportunity that the crypto market presents. What did you think about that? Yeah, there's a big chunk of money there, right? I think she's over $12 trillion. I mean, I think there's a big, big, big chunk here. And that's why... I think, A, this is going to have to move through the banks and the big boys are going to be, you know, have their hands in it and isn't going to move without them. You know, and that's why you heard, uh, you heard Schwartz say it himself. He literally came out and said, you know, that it's going to take big players. Like he said, he called them out. He said, Bank of America, JP Morgan. He knows, he knows it. Nothing happens without those big players involved in, 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 in helping to facilitate to make it happen. And so that that's what you're going to have to see happen is those guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, that's great. That's my brother. I, know, I love it. That's fantastic. So anyway, um, but so you're going to have to see abs at the end of the day that there is going to be a large uh, transition or, or I believe a, a large pool of money here. That's going to be at stake. That's going to be on the blockchain. That's going to be, you know, where the new transfer of value will occur. And that's why, you know, a lot of us are here today investing in this space early because we believe that some of these are really going to be driving technologies in the future that have real world solves. And that's what's very exciting about this space. The question is doing your research and finding out which ones are the ones that actually get it done. Guys, we got 408 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to Johnny Crypto here every single day, my man. We appreciate you on the show. Yes, and what I was do. doing while I'm drawing these fundamental lines here, Johnny, I know. This is why you pay me the big bucks, my friend. <laughs> it's draw lines. This TA right here. But what's very clear about these trends is one thing and one thing in particular. There is a very heavy line of resistance from the 62 to 60 cent, 66 cent range, Johnny. And what's very apparent on the price chart, and you can draw this all the way back to 2020. When we break above that 66 cent range, that is bullish territory for XRP. And it's either going up and sustaining that level or it drops back below very quickly. But that seems to be a level where we hit a lot of resistance in the XRP price chart. Now, the reason I was drawing these, these technical lines here is because we're clearly approaching a point where there's going to be a breakout. The line, we are creating higher lows every single month. Look at this. It's very, very clear. Higher low, higher low, higher low. What's very important about that as well is that we're creating higher highs in the process. With the XRP news taking us all the way to 94 cents, that tells me that our next breakout and Waters Above clearly agreed. He did a fundamental, amazing breakdown yesterday. He says that by the end of December, he's anticipating XRP to be back above a dollar. Now, I am not nearly as well versed in the price charts as, as Waters Above, but even my very, I guess you would say, uh, infant fundamental analysis here, I can tell that we're in the process of creating a higher high. And that has to take us above 93 cents. So I did want to spend a little bit of time addressing that because we draw these triangles for four or five years, this one seems legit. This is a weekly time frame. We are looking at multiple years of the price chart. What do you take away from this before we move on to some real articles? Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, for the next one to come, I, I would actually take that blue line you drew and put it at the top of those points, uh, the one back in April and there. Yeah, if you raise it, really, that's where your real resistance is, the next level. Yeah, right at the top of that one. Not that one, that one. Just draw a straight line at the next one. That's real. I don't know what that is. It's hard to see on the chart. Is that 85 cents? No, nope, not that one. The other peak. The peak. There you go. Draw. Yeah, right there. What is that number? 85. 80, 
That yeah, you can literally draw a line across there. Yeah, see how you there you go. That's a really strong level of resistance. You can see it's it's had many, many, you know, hit, hits there and come off. So that's the number that, you know, when we get above that, and again, I'm not a huge, I'm not, I'm not a waters above type technical analysis, but I know a little bit. Um, if we bust above that, you're gonna we're gonna want to come back down and we're gonna want to retest that 84 cents. And abs, if it holds and forms a nice base, then then you're really gonna see you know, the retest of those next two uh, points above there. So what are the next two peaks? Is that about a dollar 30? Really quick. Yeah, you are right. That is about a dollar 35 to yeah. be exact. And think so about this, Johnny. Look at how clear it is when you break down the chart from this perspective. All of our volume comes in in these particular ranges. Yeah. And when it comes to XRP, we never sit in this range from 62 to 85 cents for very long. That's ah. clear, which is, which is interesting because we just went to 62, we, I think we went slightly higher, 65 cents yesterday, and we clearly came back down. Waters is saying that we could go to 54 cents. That would be perfectly normal. We could still end up with a dollar plus XRP by January 1st. Yeah, I mean, you could see there that you got, you, you know, people say me all the time, like, Johnny, how do, you, how do you figure out levels? I mean, you can just draw lines at these peaks, and you literally can see you've got a level right there at that bottom line that you drew. You've got, that's your, you know, then you've got that 84 cents. You got that dollar 30. And then what's the one above that one? Yeah, right there. And then draw one more. Not there, but a little lower. Where those, yeah, right there. What, what's that line there? Put a line there too, Abs, and we can have a little fun today. It's like, guys, there you go. Like people say to me, Johnny, how do you do an exit plan? Well, there, you can literally look at some of those points and say, hey, some of these could be if you're doing short-term play, not long-term play. You might even want to exit. These are going to act as resistance. I levels. should probably cover this. None of this is financial advice. No, we are not even, guys, for the sake of this, this is a fake price chart. We don't even use real money. We're just using this as an illustration to break down an exit plan. And fortunately for our listeners, happens to be XRP. But the cool thing is, Abs, you could look at these and you could say, okay, look, there's going to be price points that we want to see us hold. You want to bust above and hold 84. Then you want to bust above and hold 130. And then you want to bust above and hold... 170 right you get above those levels as you get above each one of them and you see if it holds and you're forming a new base there then you know you've got something solid and this thing's going to continue to ride up or if it hits it and comes back down right quick that tells you there's a lot of selling pressure and it's going to take a long time to get through those levels to be able to hold it and, and again in the short term you know so it's kind of cool but this is kind of like you know this is like basic line drawing for support and resistance resistance levels to at least, give, at least give people an idea of, hey, how does this stuff kind of work? It's very rudimentary. You know, I would encourage people to go learn how to use the Fibonacci tool apps. There's a Fibonacci retracement tool out there they should use. And one of these Fridays, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll actually create, an, uh, you know, an exit strategy or we'll do something on uh, with Merlin and we can show people how to use the two apps. But, yeah, I think this is really good that you kind of get a sense for how to and, look at these charts. And look at this, guys. We can use the XLM price chart just as, a, as, a, as an example of how these markets work during bullish times. XRP got positive news. We thought the BlackRock ETF product was going to be launched. Token went from $0.65 cents to $0.72 cents back to 65 within just a couple of hours. What was shocking here, and I've explained this many times, is that XLM did the exact same thing. And the reason that I'm showing you that, Johnny, is because we draw these price charts, we draw these exit plans for XRP, when XRP starts to perform bullishly, we will see other tokens like XLM do something similar. So I just wanted to draw that correlation. We know these markets are manipulated down. Well, they're also manipulated up. Once every four years, we get an opportunity to capitalize on that profit. And that's why we talk about Merlin every day. Go create an exit plan. Pause this video if you want. Use a really simple breakdown like this. Create some price points. 
figure out how much money you're going to make, and then you have an exit plan. It's really, really simple, guys. And we got 413 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you're enjoying this content, we're going to bring a lot of this going forward. And Johnny, the title of this video was talking about ISO migration happening in the United States. Well, I had a user actually send me an update that he got from his bank. It said, Dear Customer, Please upgrade to the new mobile banking app to continue accessing our banking services. As of the current app will no longer be available on November 20th of 2023. Well, why is that valid? Why is that date so important? We're going to start talking about that right now because there is supposedly a crypto migration happening this weekend. And it's so difficult with getting these tabs organized here, guys. But there is a migration happening this weekend where we are going to see banks not only in the United States, but globally start to shift into ISO standards. And Johnny, um, I apologize for this. If you could just cover me for a brief minute, I'm going to pull up a tweet that breaks down exactly what's happening this weekend. I yeah. just got to locate it. Yeah, I got you covered. I got, I got, actually, I got to go through some of these comments. Okay, there will be no onk sleeveless shirts. I have not <laughs> nothing to do with JP Morgan. Um, here's a great question, Lana. Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, I will un, I'll make some of my DMs pri on private so you can reach me through there, through uh, Twitter. And then Motorbike Mike, uh, yes, that's correct. I did have perfect attendance a couple of years in school. and uh, But I did see also your invite. Uh, if I'm out in Wildwood, I'll let you know for sure. I'd love to come and connect and have a beer with you guys. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, guys, this is very, very exciting. Oh, okay. You got, you got, the, you got it up, Abs? We're going to have to shift topics here, guys, because I couldn't locate it. But this is an even more important jurisdiction or update on our jurisdiction. As Ripple lawyer Stuart Alderati urges fact-checking of Gary Gensler's speech and even says that the SEC is seen as shady. Yes, you are reading that Ooh. correctly. Ooh. SEC Chair Gary Gensler. Fighting words. Them's are fighting words, boys. <laughs> SEC Chair Gary Gensler shared a video of him conducting a speech at the 2023 Securities Economic Forum. In the speech, SEC Chair Gary highlighted Joseph P. Kennedy saying that the government agency should be partners of honest businesses and prosecutors of dishonesty. And that right there is what triggered Stuart Alderati's response, Johnny Crypto. You're going to love this. As Stuart Alderati said, fact check Gary Gensler's recent remarks. Ripple was sued, but never charged with dishonesty. The fact case against it was prejudged, beginning with an ethically compromised Bill Hinman. Gensler has prejudged crypto and filed a suit against others without investigation. This is why these Vivek clips are so important, guys. I don't know who's going to be elected, but I really, really hope whoever's elected starts cracking the whip on crypto regulation. We need to see some movement. Hong Kong, UAE, South America, all these jurisdictions are acting. And if we're going to be stuck on the sidelines, Johnny, if America is annexed from a capital market, has that ever happened before? Um, I mean, not I doubt it. Not, not, not that I've been alive, but it, it, this, this not seen, to get distracted. What's your take on Alderati calling out Gary here? No, I mean, good for get good for well, listen, it's his job to do that. I mean, you got to call it right. I mean, they they were not charged with dishonesty. I don't think I honestly believe Ripple was was operating from you know a, a place of a good integrity. Uh, and for so I could see why they feel important to call this out. You don't see the shady. shit that was happening with Ethgate that you see, you know, here you don't see that stuff happening here. These guys really wanted to go out and do this thing right and get out there and get the technology out there. And then all of a sudden they, they got slapped with a lawsuit that any one of the 10,000 tokens that were out there could have gotten slapped with it, but they chose to make ripple an example. And I'm, and I'm, and I still, to this degree, they don't know why they went after them other than, 
part of me makes me wonder, you know, did they fear the technology that they have? You know, did it, did it, and, you know, who knows? Who knows what the motives are at the end of the day? But you know what? The good news is that case is now pretty much behind us. We're just waiting. Can I interject really briefly? Because this is what's frustrating. I've been here four years and I've, I've been an XRP holder for four years and I've watched this thing before the lawsuit, during and now after. And what's really irritating about this whole process is the narrative before this lawsuit was over was not only was this thing going to end and the price was going to rocket. That wasn't what I was anticipating. That's what others were saying. But after the lawsuit, we would have American clarity and we would see companies start to adopt this technology. We've seen the opposite out of the SEC, Johnny. They've criticized the decision. They filed an early interlocutory appeal and that got rejected. Mm-hmm. And now they're publicly saying we prosecute dishonesty and we partner with honest players, but have no evidence of that ever happening before. Wait, so- wait, wait. We partner with honest players? Like what? Oh, like ETH and FTX? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Clip that and put that on Twitter. <laughs> right yeah, don't clip that either. It's unbelievable though, because you think about it from the standpoint of, Obviously, they're not protecting investors, but what are they promoting? What are they in the process of building in the U.S.? Well, they're in the process of building shady companies with shady employees. And that's what this next article is about here, guys. As the Ethereum insider yesterday, Stephen Narayoff, accuses Vitalik Buterin of copying innovative ideas from, I was going to say Johnny's friend, but he's not because this article's serious, Cardano founder Charles Hoskinson. So, See, Johnny, I can I can be professional here, guys. There we you got, go. we got 440. I like where there's a little honesty. No, but you can joke too. I get it. Just we're, we're honest. We're definitely <laughs> honest. Yeah. We're, we got 444 live listeners here. Show us some love and bear with us through this article. This is going to be pretty exciting and interesting. There was a huge mistake in getting rid of Charles Hodgkinson, said Stephen Arayoff. Cardano was established in 2017 by Charles Hodgkinson, and he was one of the founders of the Ethereum network. Hodgkinson left the Ethereum network in 2014, following a dispute with Vitalik Buterin over whether the network should be a nonprofit or a commercial business. While Hodgkinson advocated for Ethereum being designed for a commercial purpose, Buterin supported a nonprofit initiative, and that eventually led to Charles starting Cardano. Now, Buterin copied smart contracts from Ripple, at least according to Stephen Narayoff. So that's the second part of this article, actually. We'll break it down left. I mean, after, what do you take away from Charles Hodgkinson's statements here, Johnny, about him never being fired and he was actually correct about what's happening with Ethereum. No, Charles was right. I mean, you guys all bash Charles and hate Charles, but the reality is Charles is a very smart guy. And when he saw Buterin trying to take the company to a nonprofit when it was going to have profit, he just knew it was the wrong direction, the wrong way to go, and didn't want to and didn't want to do that. And so I want to say he was booted, but obviously him and him and him and him and um, Vitalik just saw things completely differently, and one of them had to go. And obviously with this being, I think, more of a Vitalik's brain brainchild, you know, he ended up, I guess, staying. And Charles said, okay, fine, I'll leave and I'll do my own thing. And good for Charles. I mean, he's a smart guy and competition's out there. It's good. I, I listened to about an hour of that narrative uh, of uh, Stephen uh, – how do you say his name? I always get his name wrong. It's Narayoff. Narayoff, thank you. I listened to about an hour of it, and, and you could, he, he was having like a, a – there's about a two-hour and 44-minute um, – NFT that you can listen to and it's free. Just go to Narov's uh, page and you can listen to it and you can hear the conversation. And it was all about how they started the company and the decisions that were being made and, and violating security laws. Like Steven even says it like, you know, there's some stuff here that's, that's going to be problematic. And he actually mentioned when Charles had already been gone abs. And it was interesting because Charles had left, but he had said Charles wasn't bashing them as he left. He left professionally and went to do his own thing. And, uh, and no, I, I think at the end of the day, 
you know, you, you've got a scenario here where Buterin was running a company and he's a technology guy trying to run a company that he didn't understand all the elements of the business and, and put himself, you know, put him in the company at risk back in 20. I mean, when you listen to the vid, if you listen to the audio apps, they actually talk about Ethereum not making it. They were literally saying like it's it's like it, it was kind of like he gave the example when they brought Steve's jobs back from Apple. And he was basically saying it was a Hail Mary and it worked. And he literally told Buterin, you're in a Hail Mary state right now. This may or may not work for you. You know, and apparently, you know, here we are many years, how many years later? It's in nine years later. And apparently it worked. Let me and ask you this, Johnny, because we're going to break down. First of all, Queenie, I love this person who's ever commenting all this positive, all this really helpful information. Keep it up. Shout out to Queenie in the live chat. We got 436 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're not here to give political opinions. So don't think because we showed a Vivek video, we're voting for him. We're absolutely not. And that's not what we were saying. We were just right. talking about how political politicians are starting to talk about crypto. And Johnny, for anybody who doesn't know, Vitalik Buterin worked at Ripple back in 2014 before he started yeah. Ethereum. That's right. Yep. And that's what this article is breaking down here. As Nureyev alleged that Buterin copied the innovative ideas from Ripple to develop Ethereum's smart contract functionality. Nureyev also claimed that Ethereum's co-founders, Joseph Lubin, uh, stole his idea for an ICO and utility token. So Nureyev, you might want to keep that to yourself, my friend. Those ICOs aren't going to be profitable for very long. And I'm only teasing Johnny. But he's talking about how Nureyev alleged that Vitalik went into Ripple took a lot of the ideas that they were implementing, claimed them as his own, and put those in the Ethereum network. I agree. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Vitalik is an RSW to the utmost degree. But what do you think, Johnny Crypto? Well, we already have Vitalik on the rat snake weasel. Here, let me grab it. You know, when we had Vitalik, we had him, we had him all the way into the rat snake weasel category, as, as low as you can go. He's there with Kramer. So, I mean, he's got definitely the uh, – he's definitely got the lead, those two guys over there. Um, but you know, th there was a lot, and and there was a lot of things that you know. I mean, obviously, you know what's funny as as this as these audio tracks came out, and you can hear it. Vitalik was in a desperate mode, and so I can understand. Oh, sorry, Jim, I didn't mean to throw you under the bus there, buddy. But uh, see, guys, that's how inclusive we are. We let Jim Kramer in the live chat. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> we we yeah. Well, listen, we want the rat snake weasels here, so we can ask them, you know, why they do what they do. We're not. We everybody has a has a chance to come out here and talk. But, you know, but Vitalik was in a very, very difficult spot. And he did whatever he felt he had to do to save his company. And obviously, some of the things were probably shady. And that's where we are today. And now they've gotten past it. And they're, they're going to get the free pass. I mean, you just saw yesterday, BlackRock just confirmed, Abs. I don't know if you saw my tweet. They just confirmed that the BlackRock filing uh, for Ethereum is, is legit. Yeah, so there it is. So that, that is a legit deal. That is not fake. The, the fake one was somebody taking that one and copying it and making a Ripple, uh, an XRP one. How, this is what I'm saying, though, about my argument. My, I guess, bullet point with Ripple earlier was that didn't you feel or didn't you feel like the community was act, acting like after this lawsuit, this is what we were going to see for XRP. And then Ethereum was going to become this token that was kind of like out of the market because XRP has regulation. Bitcoin has the opinion of clarity and Ethereum Nobody really understands. They're not stating it's a commodity. They're not stating it's a security yet. We still don't know. Yet BlackRock is filing an S form for an Ether ETF because they know when Bitcoin's ETF gets approved, they're going to have a much harder time denying this product. And I think that's what BlackRock's taking advantage of here. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree. Difficult. Yeah, go ahead. I agree with you on that. I think they're just going to ride this. They're going to ride the coattails of it. And like, hey, we got that one passed. Now we'll push this one through. And then what it will do is it will instantly legitimize Ethereum and put all these stories of it to bed, even though the approval of an Ethereum ETF, which makes it a security, by the way, the ETF itself is a security. I talked about this yesterday. So if you didn't watch the show, go watch it. Um, but 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 any kind of ETF is a security. So the product you put inside of it, now that whole product wrapped together would be a security. But that doesn't mean the asset on its own by itself is is a is a, a security or not. We have clear definition on Bitcoin that it is not a security. We have clear definition on Ripple that when it's sold in a programmatic sales, it is not a security, right? <clears throat> we have no clarity on anything else. So now it's just a matter of the enforcers deciding what they want to enforce. Now, let me ask you a question, Abs. Do you think the enforcers are going to go after ETH? When I say enforcers, uh, I, mean I say I say this. I used to think no, and I, and I think the easy answer is no. But I think the harder answer, the more likely answer, is that if enough evidence is presented at some point, and it may be a very small fine, it may be a public acknowledgement that things were handled incorrectly, I think at some point it will be addressed. And what Nareyoff is doing is clearly moving us in that direction. Do I think there's going to be justified prosecution? No. But do I think it will be addressed? Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think they're going to get a free pass. They're going to escape by unless what you just said. Something big has to come up. A bombshell has got to come out there that they cannot ignore. And then and only then do I agree with you that, yeah. Something will be happy there. And, Johnny, uh, we got to go a little bit quick because I got so much good news to get into yeah, before the cool. end of this. But that's think cool. about this this part of the article right here. Nereyev is also accusing the founders of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin and Joseph Lubin, of having private meetings with SEC Chair Gary Gensler and the agency's immediate past chairman, Jay Clayton. So the accusations are out there. This is mainstream. He's launching this in an NFT form. This is a guy who has credible information on the market. He was a developer when Ethereum was originally launched. And he's calling out Gary Gensler here. This is shocking. He's calling out Jay Clayton here. That's not shocking. But remember this. Yeah. Lubin and Clayton, Lubin and Clayton's relationship ultimately led to the lawsuit being filed against Ripple as Ripple had been working with the SEC for over four years before they actually brought that lawsuit forward. Joseph Lubin, direct competitor, not only are they claiming that Vitalik stole the smart contract concept from Ripple, they're also claiming that they had private meetings with the regulators that attacked the company. Floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you kind of nailed it all up. You summed it up perfectly. At the end of the day, Vitalik definitely went and learned how to do smart contracts at Ripple and then brought it to Ethereum. He took it from them, no question about it. Um, and so unless if it was something that he had an agreement or contract that he couldn't violate, you know, I guess there was apparently nothing to stop him from doing that. And then in terms of the whole you know, the rest of it's all allegations in terms of what was going on between Clayton and Lubin and Hinman and all that stuff that unless somebody really goes and does the investigations, we're never going to get the end of it. And who's going to go after them? They're all in. The, they're all up there. So they're all buddy, buddy. So it's hard to kind of see, you know, like Carlin said, it's one big club. <laughs> and so I, that's why I have a hard time thinking anything's going to come out of it. And so at this point, I think what's going to happen is the ETF will get approved. The Ethereum ETF will then get approved thereafter, and it'll, everybody will forget about ETHGATE because they'll be like, oh, it's, it's it's a security now, you know, because that's what it will be considered in the in the in the ETF version of it, and that's what's going to happen, in my opinion. Well.
Abs, you're on mute. We can't hear you, buddy. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. Sorry about that, guys. I said we're about to show a video of our good friend Crypto Eddie asking a Ripple developer here. This is the Ripple DeFi product lead, Jazzy Cooper, and she did an independent interview with our friend Crypto Eddie. Listen to what they had to say about the automated market maker, and we'll discuss some of the rumors going around today. Will will this uh, coming of new DeFi products, and particularly the AMM, is it going to change at all the tokenomics of XRP? I don't think that it will directly. XRP is is really a utility token at its core uh, in terms of how it's used on the ledger, you know, primarily for gas and account reserves. Uh, so I really don't think it will change the tokenomics, but as we see growth and, and adoption, I think we'll just see a greater need and greater utility of, of the token itself. So there's been a lot of conversation about it. You give me your thoughts, 60 seconds, I'll give mine. I think it's hard to argue. Oh, yeah. I think it's hard to argue that um, the XRP will, will will have some, provide some value on the blockchain and, and the solutions. For me, what I'm trying to, to, to see is XRP, Ripple, the company, is really looking to place, you know, to plant their their their, their footprint, if you will, in multiple different segments of this space apps, custody, tokenization, cross-border payments. They really are doing a good job of kind of trying to own a big space here. And I'm curious to see which one actually wins wins out for them in the long run. If you think of Kodak, when they started out, they were a film company and that died and now they're a chemical company. They transformed themselves to survive. And so it'll be very interesting, interesting to see if Ripple is unable to make ways into all these central banks and get their technology adopted, then they have these other plays to, to get them out there to see where they, you know, to, to leverage the technology. So for me, that's kind of what I'm interested in to see how this whole thing plays out. We're just so early right now. It's hard to tell where is going to be the killer app, if you will, uh, for this thing to take off and plant its, seat, plant its feet. Johnny Crypto, we got 408 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I know you're a Steelers fan this weekend, but there's also some exciting stuff going Every on. Weekend. Every weekend. <laughs> I'm yeah. not a bandwagon jumper. That's true. I just wanted to draw a 60-second correlation here. Remind our listeners where we are in this chart because I think it's so important to address on a Friday. Yeah, you know, that's really good. I love this chart because it's so true. So you can either look at the beginning, uh, at the front end, the left side of the curve in stage one. Or you could, or, you know, we're, we're, we're what I call somewhere in between the 12 and 13 stage. So depression to disbelief all the way on the right side, Abs. Yeah, we're somewhere in that. We're past the panic point. We're in the 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 12 to 13 phase, right in that phase and heading that way. And then that leads into, you can almost wrap the chart around going, you know, that disbelief 13 is tied to disbelief number one. At some point, you know, this thing could kind of repeat and take back off again. So it's exciting times. We've we've lived through the excitement of the of the of the uh, euphoria. euphoria. We we took some profits, but not enough profits. And then we rode we rode the whole curve down. We went down the ski slope, and now we've been in the bear market, which was the DCAing time. And we've been saying for the past two years on this show, um, you know that you have to what do you call it DCA in during those those that that sideways period of time. And now we're starting to get at the point where, you know, I think the DCAing is going to be coming to a halt soon because I don't want to be buying when we're going up. I want to be selling. You know, that's the difference. See, this is the different mentality that I have now than before when I joined the academy. When I was not joining the academy, I would wait for stuff to go up because you want that confirmation. 
the brain wants the confirmation that things are going up, that you're doing the right thing and you buy, and then you think it's going to keep going up and it doesn't. And you watch it go all the way up and you go all the way down and you lose your money on the back end. The, the, the mentality shift that I have now is I don't, I've been buying now in the beer markets when I normally didn't buy and I will be selling on the way up rather than on the way down. And I'll probably be selling on the back end of the way down because I'm going to miss the top. Most people will, but that's okay. The way the game is played is if you can catch 80% on the top, either on the way up or on the way down, you're doing pretty good. Absolutely, Johnny. And this is what I want to close the show out with today. What comes first? We asked our live chat, XRP to $4 or Bitcoin to 100K. 62% of the live chat seems to agree that XRP will hit $4 before Bitcoin hits 100K. I'm not sure I agree with that one. But I don't I do agree think, with that. I, I, I don't, don't agree, agree with it either. <laughs> yeah, I, like I don't agree either. I'm not there. I, I, that's great. We have an XRP-centric audience, and I love you guys, and it's all good. But, you know, I think that when you just look at how this market works, Bitcoin usually pumps before XRP pumps. So just based on that one fact alone, you're probably going to see XR, uh, blah, XRP. You're probably going to see BTC exceed. Oh, there we go. My music. Thank you, bro. And we got 400 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here on this Friday. We'll see you guys in 72 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Have a good weekend, boys Woo. and girls. Go Patriots.